Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Monday. Congratulations to the Warriors on their big win. To start the show, I talk with independent candidate for California's new governor, Michael Schellenberger, on what he wants to improve in California. Molly, it's a really fascinating interview. He's kind of like a moderate. Uh, and yeah. He's running as an independent. I am voting for him in the primaries because I would like to see somebody who's a moderate at least debate, even if they have a small chance of winning. I'd like to see him debate. Uh, Super and primaries are tomorrow, by the way, if you are in yeah. California. And as we've discussed, if you're going to vote, well, I mean, please vote and also vote in primaries, turns out. Yeah, very important. Speaking of which, I got to fill out my ballot. Uh, so that's going to be super interesting. Then we cover Apple's 2022 WWDC announcements and array of updates, including uh, some dishy new iMessage features. Yes. A new chip for mm -hmm. the Apple Silicon family. And then possibly the absolute, uh, like, a bomb of the announcement yeah. pay later buy apple now pay, pay later. later yeah coming to apple uh, really really uh interesting stuff and um after that we cover uh, a report from reuters uh that binance has had 2.35 billion dollars worth of illicit funds laundered through their system you know talking drugs investment frauds hacks and everything in between uh, pretty gnarly stuff, but it looks like the chickens are coming home to roost in the crypto space. It's fascinating. And since we know you missed us over the weekend, we just keep on going. We've keep also going. got Elon Musk accusing Twitter of withholding material information. bot information. Big news there. And finally, there. Uh, Beijing is wrapping up its DD investigation. The stock's gone up a bit, and uh, but they're moving from the West and listing their stock publicly here to now the decoupling of China and America, they're going to be listed DD on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So it's going to be a great episode. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Notion. Notion is one place for notes, docs, projects, and everyday work that goes way beyond a wiki. Go to notion.so and use promo code TWIST to get $250 off an annual team plan. Our Crowd. Our Crowd helps you invest early in pre-IPO companies alongside professional VCs. If you're interested in investing, you can join Our Crowd for free at ourcrowd.com/twist. And First Republic Bank, where everybody gets a personal banker who's reachable by phone, email, or text, and through First Republic's banking app. Learn more at firstrepublic.com slash startup. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Hey, everybody. Next up on the show, Michael Schellenberger, uh, who is an independent candidate for California governor. Now, we don't often talk about tech here on This Week in Startups because it's This Week in Startups. We're here to talk about startups, uh, capital allocating into them, and technology, innovation, uh, and entrepreneurship. It's kind of our wheelhouse here, but... Um, one of the things facing the tech industry is the absolute mismanagement of not only California, but more specifically the Bay Area, and then drilling down into there, San Francisco. And I've watched this firsthand, having moved to California um, in my early 30s, almost 20, yeah, 20 years ago, exactly, and then moving up to the Bay Area, almost 10 years exactly. So I did 10 years in LA, 10 years in San Francisco, uh, and also the water Bay Area and the peninsula in the suburbs, basically. So I've gotten a really firsthand look at this and watched as Los Angeles um, devolved uh, and also as California surged in some ways 
And then the utter collapse that occurred right as my 10 years here, I watched San Francisco, boom, and all the tech companies suddenly want to base themselves in San Francisco. And now getting a startup to come to a meeting in San Francisco is essentially an impossibility. So we're going to unpack that with Michael Schellenberg. Welcome to the program, Michael. Great to be with you. Good to see you, Jason. Good to see you. You guys, you and I met socially uh, recently, and uh, we had a nice talk. Uh, and you are a resident of the Bay Area. I, I don't know if you say the specific town you're from uh, or not. I don't want to micro Berkeley Hills. Yeah, okay. totally. So <laughs> I will micro, I don't micro target myself. I just, you know, generally say <laughs> I live in the wider Berkeley. Bay Area. But you're in Berkeley, uh, which is um, a really uh, avant garde, uh, liberal area. And um, y you're running for governor. Uh, why are you running? because you could be doing other things with your time. And it does seem like California and the Bay Area and Los Angeles are absolutely collapsing and losing, you know, uh, you know, fr from from end to end here, losing companies, uh, losing great entrepreneurs, losing capital allocators, quality of life has plummeted, housing prices has soared, the education system is totally in disarray homelessness slash addiction and we'll get into that and double click on how we frame that issue it's a disaster and you want to go in here and try to be in charge why did would you want to take on what to most of us would seem an insurmountable challenge sure well the main reason is i'm completely heartbroken by the destruction of our state and by the humanitarian disaster that we call homelessness we're dealing with open-air drug markets open-air drug scenes that are killing people I just wrote a piece about how there's three times more homeless deaths in Los Angeles between 2020 and 2021 than in New York. The reason is that in New York, they, they have sufficient homeless shelters and they make people sleep in them mm. rather than sleep outside. So we're completely mismanaging this. The school's student performance has gotten worse. We're in the fourth season of blackouts and water shortages. And we pay the highest taxes, the highest gasoline prices, and the highest and the most for electricity of anybody in the continental United States. So we have the highest cost of living and the worst public services. It's a leadership problem. You know, it's we just don't have the leader, the political leadership to make the the I guess I would say tough decisions. I don't think that they're super complicated, actually. It's simple things like raising educational standards, requiring, you know, shutting down the open air drug scenes having sufficient shelter and psychiatric hospitals and group homes for the sick, raising educational standards rather than lowering them, building power plants, water storage facilities, desalination plants. It's basically a pro-civilization agenda. This is just the basics of civilization. So it's in that spirit that Mark Andreessen wrote about during the beginning of the pandemic of build. Mm. We need abundant housing, water, energy. We need functioning schools. There's not a lot of magic here or shortcuts. It's just really buckling down and doing the common sense things we need to do. And I guess that's the frustrating part for those of us who love the state of California and then the cities within it. It is such an amazing uh, place to live in so many different uh, dynamics. I mean, you, you can go skiing in Tahoe and surf in Malibu. You can uh, do everything in between. We have the wine country uh, and everything from San Diego to Los Angeles, to the Central Valley. It's just a wonderful place. Uh, and I've been totally captivated and fallen in love with it as well um, in, in, in my uh, 30s and 40s. And now I'm considering leaving. And the thing that I wonder is if it's all so obvious, we need to build more housing. 
we need to get out of the way when somebody like Elon wants to build a factory. And he said at the All In Summit, you know, that he would still be papering the applications for his uh, Texas Gigafactory, which I got to tour. And he built that in uh, under 18 months. And in 18 months in California would be an impossibility. And so we have a $100 billion surplus. We, we don't want for money, but we yet have, and people want to be here. So yeah. with all of this obvious solutions, I guess the question, and, and I, I think it's important to understand in each of these vectors, and we have a limited amount of time, obviously, but in each of these vectors, how did we become so ineffective? Let's start with housing. What is the dynamic that has made it impossible? We hear about NIMBY, we hear about YIMBY, of, you know, and, and as concisely as possible, why is this so screwed up? And then how do you fix it? Sure. I mean, I think on housing, this is arguably the toughest issue, so it's great to dive in. I mean, we don't have, we have abundant land, but we don't have abundant housing. And there's just basically, it's an over-regulated sector. We waive the main Environmental Quality Act, California Environmental Quality Act for building a stadium, but we won't waive it for building apartment units for our workers. We've allowed hyper-local control to prevent that housing. It also, the law is abused by a small group of labor unions. I do believe a majority of Californians would like to see more housing. There needs to be sort of a consensus built. There's um, a need to kind of have a broader consensus in the society that we don't have. I will say, too, I think that the people that have the strongest interest in adding housing is the tech community. The problem is, is that there's just very little loyalty to California from the, the new capitalist entrepreneurial class. You know, so you have effectively an aristocracy, a kind of fe landed feudal aristocracy holding on to older form of development, not wanting the new development. And then you've got an entrepreneurial class that's just not loyal to this place. They will move to Miami, they'll move to Austin, they'll move to other parts of the country. So, you know, mm -hmm. usually when you had like the Rockefellers, Carnegie's and Mellons, they would make their fortunes and they'd be rooted in a place and then they would yeah. fund the politicians and the others to uh, usher in a kind of new f form of development, including, you know, upgrading the housing in the cities. That's partly happened with me. I've been supported. It's now public. Um, I've been supported by David Sachs and other uh, people that are high tech, successful high tech uh, people in California. But, you know, honestly, uh, there, there hasn't been, there's not a machine in place. I mean, we're creating yeah. the political well, machine for a pro abundance agenda. And that hasn't existed until I ran. Startups need a central hub to store information and collaborate on work more than ever, especially when you have remote teams. That's why you need to move to a right-first culture. Any best practice, any project should be written down in one place. We went fully remote back in March of 2020, and Notion became our internal knowledge bank. Now, we use it for external purposes. You can go to thisweekinstartups.com slash checklist to check one of the many ways we're using it externally. We took our 100-point founder checklist, which we made for the podcast, and we made for our founders. And you know what? We said, why don't we share this with everybody? This is like a book for free on Notion, and you can take it, copy it to your Notion. You can write notes on it. And that's the magic of Notion. They have great templates. It puts everybody on the same platform and it just accelerates your efficiency. When new people join your company, they go to Notion and they see all the projects going on and they quickly get up to speed. It's 
changed everything. So here is your call to action. Go to Notion.so and get addicted like the rest of us. Use the promo code TWIST. You're going to get $250 off their annual plan. Notion.so. And use the promo code TWIST during checkout for $250 off. Thanks to the Notion team for making a great product that we love and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is kind of from out of left field that you're, you even exist as this kind of unicorn candidate who is yeah. socially liberal and maybe just wants to uh, get stuff done and isn't, you know, part of the far left agenda or the Trump far right agenda. You're the moderate. I think a lot of folks have been looking for. Why should the technical class, the, the capital allocators be loyal to the state when you have somebody like Gonzalez telling Elon or saying F you Elon and you're raising our taxes and the regulations are absurd and the politicians are blaming the billionaires and blaming the companies for causing all these problems. Why should we be loyal when Mayor Suarez is saying, hey, come here, we'll get we'll get out everything out of the way. We want you here when Abbott and other folks in Texas and Austin are saying, hey, we want you here. If you want to build a factory, we're going to make it happen and get everything out of the way. Hey, you need housing. We're going to get housing built and we're going to do it fast. Why should the people who are builders in the world be loyal to California if loyal if California politicians are outrightly hostile to our very existence. Yeah, well, that's a good reason not to be. And I think that's why uh, tech technical, you know, tech entrepreneurs have been fleeing the state quite understandably. I, I don't uh, blame them for it. The governor, you know, we basically you have the governor Newsom, but the others in the political elite take us for granted. I mean, mm. they they and they take you for granted. They make us pay the highest taxes, highest cost of living, and they don't deliver on basic public services. I mean, the disrespect particularly shown to Elon Musk by, I guess, one of the, I don't know if she's the president of the Senate, but Lorena Gonzalez, of course, famously said F you to him on, on Twitter. Yeah. And he said message received. Obviously, I would be, I would, I would be calling up entrepreneurs trying to get them to come back. You know, look, I think the main reason that anybody is loyal to California is that we just think it's a spectacular state for all the reasons that you just gave. I mean, there's yeah. just no other state like it. I mean, I fell in love with California when I first visited as a boy. When I travel around the state now, I'm still blown. I was just in Santa Monica, which is, you know, I've certainly been to Santa Monica, but I start to go into the neighborhoods and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's like the most amazing place amazing. in the world. Yeah, I got to live So, there, I think yeah. the reason to fight for California is because we love it. Yeah. There's no reason it can't be a great state. I don't think we'll ever be like Texas in allowing the kind of unregulated development that they have in Texas, but I don't think we have to be like Hawaii either. You mm. know, I think there's, I think we want to be the Goldilocks principle here between Hawaii and, and Texas. There is a lot of land. I mean, anybody that flies over California, you see there's plenty of land. Yeah, it's there's there's incredible. much more room for density in cities. What I'm proposing is a really simple idea called a citizen's jury where you impanel several hundred a randomly selected representative sample of the electorate to deliberate in 12 town hall meetings across the state, 12 cities, 12 months to deliberate and build consensus so that you can go back to the legislature with a housing, a mm. pro housing abundance agenda. If the legislature rejects it, let's say January, 2024, you then have time to put it on the ballot and put it up to voters. You know, we end up passing a lot of things on ballot initiatives in California. Yeah. And I would do that with housing, education, and then energy slash water, since the two things are so related. Because ultimately, I think there is an ideological obstacle. I think there's sort of a public consensus obstacle. But as the governor of the state, you'd have a lot of power to bring people together. 
Mm. And then decide if everybody just wants to be like Hawaii and not build any more houses, then the public decides that that may be what it is. And then entrepreneurs can decide whether that's really worth staying in San Francisco and L.A. But, or moving but that's to clearly Texas. not the case here. I mean, the, the people in this state uh, overwhelmingly want to lower taxes. They overwhelmingly yeah. want to build more housing. They overwhelmingly want to address, um, you know, the, the fentanyl crises. Uh, and the drug addiction yeah. crisis, which has been framed as homelessness. Yes. So let's talk about that. In San Francisco, we've watched, and I, my office used to be in the Tenderloin, and I, I had to move it because people were being stabbed outside of our office. And yeah. we watched over, you know, a five, six year period um, that we went from two or 3,000 homeless people to, to what felt like 10,000 or so. I think the numbers show that. And it was distinctly different than, you know, what I experienced in New York City in the 80s and 90s of homelessness and the modest homelessness in Santa Monica. I, I witnessed in Venice, um, you know, in the 2005, 2000, yeah, 10, uh, 2005 era, it, it all of a sudden got very different. It seems to have correlated with the super drug fentanyl. Um, and it does seem to correlate as well with the non-ability to prosecute the dealers um, and maybe hold people to a specific standard. Um, you wrote an entire book on this, but looking at it from the outside uh, and my basic research, it seems like people who are horribly addicted to, to opioids and fentanyl have a very low chance of recovery, maybe 5%. So this is a, a basically uh, a problem of addiction that is not going to be solved in the overwhelming majority of cases. So what is a society to do? Well, I think we know what we can't do, which is make it actually profitable for dealers to be here and make it profitable in, in some way for people around the country who are addicted to say the number one destination if you're addicted to these things is California. Because if you're living in one of these other states, I mean, if you're in the South, if you're in Texas, and you're addicted to this, you're going to be arrested and you're going to eventually wind up in jail for stealing or whatever it is tragically. Um, but the cost of being uh, a dealer or addiction is high in some other states, and it's zero here. I is that basically the, the core of the problem? Because I've read some of your tweets on the on the problem here. How how do you and you did wrote a whole book on it, but how do you frame it uh, as a problem, and the reality of it, and then what is the the specific tactics that need to occur? Yeah. Yeah, you basically have it right. I mean, the data is not great, but we know that home, the number of homeless people in California increased 31%, even as the number declined 18% in the rest of the United States over the last 10 years. San Francisco saw a significant increase. Again, the counts aren't great, but somewhere between nine and 10,000 total homeless in San Francisco, probably five to 7,000 on the streets at any given time. We know 20,000 homeless people come through San Francisco every year for the open drug scene. Which is, which is allowed. It did get worse after 2014, which is when we decriminalized up to three grams of hard drugs um, and also decriminalized shoplifting, $950 worth of goods. And you saw that arrests for shoplifting declined from around, arrests um, per reports declined from 60% in around 2014 to just 17% today. So there's uh, people's experiences reality of course, you also have two overlapping drug epidemics. One is the opioids, which is most people are most famous for. Of the 105,000 drug deaths last year, 71,000 were from fentanyl alone. 
But methamphetamine is also a big problem. So we find people smoking methamphetamine and uh, fentanyl. A lot of the psychosis you see, people taking off their clothes, people screaming. Some of that may be from underlying mental illness, but often it's just paranoid psychosis induced by long-term uninterrupted methamphetamine use. Yeah, people used to be arrested and have to spend some time in jail where they would uh, uh, get off drugs for a period of time. You know, it's not rocket science. I mean, you have to shut down the open drug scene. You can't let people sleep outside. You don't have to go to shelter, but you can sleep outside. You can go somewhere else. We need to detox the people as an alternative to jail and prison. Americans were very libertarian, so we're uncomfortable diagnosing people and being like, you need to go get treatment just because you're an addict or you need to go to psychiatric hospital just because you're mentally ill. So breaking the law tends to be the thing that gets people into the help they need, it's which is why you need to enforce laws. You know, we, What's that? It's the backstop, you know, in, in yes. of, because we believe in America. And it's one of the beautiful things about America is personal freedom. You have a choice. Yeah. A person who is addicted to these super drugs, and let's face it, these are unlike you know, a yeah. lot of the drugs we're considering uh, decriminalizing or legalizing. I mean, some, in fact, may have properties uh, that they're studying at Stanford and John Hopkins, MDMA, psilocybin, yeah. LSD, you know, ketamine. I mean, the science behind these things actually helping people in a proper context yeah. with therapists is extraordinary. So we, we are specifically talking about two super drugs here. 71% of the of the deaths are coming from fentanyl and then some amount from methamphetamine. Right. But every addict you'll speak to, and, and this is where the data is irrefutable, the addicts who do recover say that consequences of yeah. their behavior became the, impedita- the, the impetus for them to then change their life. And, and this is where, you know, bringing up tough love, making a decision for somebody who's incapable of making the decision for themselves it's very hard for Americans. And, and, and in a way, it's a beautiful intent that we want to help people and we want them to make their own decision. But it might also be unrealistic in the super drug category. And any family who's dealt with addiction, you know, the richest families in the world with kids on oxy or, you know, brothers and sisters, it's incredibly tragic. They could be on high price drugs, low price drugs, they could be functional, or they could be on the street. But the fact is, the consequences eventually are the backstop in America. And we have removed the backstop by saying, hey, if you steal, if you break into somebody's home, if you break into their car, if you're on the street, if you're naked running down the middle of the street, endangering yourself, um, or you're you're selling these super drugs, we we basically took out the backstop. And now we're getting a surge in the amount of people who are suffering. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. And our crowd is an investment platform that analyzes many of these companies across the global private market. Then they select the startups with the greatest growth potential and they bring them to you from personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics and quantum computing and so much more in state of the art labs, startup garages and anywhere in between. Our crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest, and that's early. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies, and many of their members have benefited from their 46 IPOs or exits. And let me tell you something, investing early is what it's all about. That's how I made my career. And if you're interested in angel investing, investing early is critical. So now you can truly diversify your portfolio by investing early in innovative private market companies at our crowd 
Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community by going to rcrowd.com slash twist. That's right. O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D.com slash twist. So in fact, in your research, has this compassion with great intent induced and worsened the problem? It's hard to say that, you know, good intent, but we, we do have that phrase like the road to hell is, you know, paved in good intent, right? Like, is, is that what's actually happened here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the removal of all consequences um, from people who break the law um, if we des- designate them as victims and everybody that's an addict or mentally ill is designated as a victim. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's very hard to quit drugs in general, but you almost can't quit them if, if you're just being constantly enabled to use the drugs. I do meet people that recover and um, yeah, they almost all have to go to jail or prison or have some threat of jail and prison hung over them. You know, it helps to shut down the open drug scenes because then it's harder to get the drugs. People have to spend more time finding them. You also can make detox and rehab available. But with the basic ingredients of dope, you know, it's dopamine dysregulation. So we mm-hmm. know how to regulate that for folks. I mean, everybody needs, they need exercise, they need jobs, they need meaning, they need purpose. They can, I'm fine with the opioid replacement therapies. As you mentioned, there may be other psychedelic uh, uh, trials that we could do. One of the big ideas that I'm promoting is that we need a statewide psychiatric mm-hmm. and addiction care system. Right now, we have a county-based system. So, you have 58 counties offering duplicative services. But then, basically, LA and San Francisco, because they're so liberal and have the open drug scenes, are overwhelmed. The public health departments mm-hmm. are overwhelmed. Plus, if you want to get somebody rehab, you don't want them to be near the open drug scene. You want them to be in yes. the Central Valley or in the mountains. So, California, you know, we do, we're, we are a wealthy state. We do have the potential to create a much more European style rehab program where you have like, you know, job creation, you have job training. People can go work for Cal Fire. They could go work for Cal Psych after they achieve recovery. That would also be a place to be, to do some of the more experimental treatments. Um, you know, there's, there's psychedelics, but there's also, you know, cold baths, there's heavy exercise, there's all sorts of things that are being experimented, there's medical treatments. So there's no reason we can't solve this. Definitely, there's some people that are never going to recover. But I think that what we've done in what we've basically what we're doing is we're just giving up on people. And so there's a lot of pessimism, addiction, pessimism, basically consigning people that are in their 20s, who have lost control because of addiction. But we're basically consigning them to palliative care, a life Mm. of chronic drug use and probably an early death. Yeah. I think it's inhumane. I think it's inconsistent with California's commitment to human potential, the positive psychology movement. So much of what we love about California is that this was a place where people, we moved away from all that kind of really negative Freudian, backward looking psychology to a positive future you know, human potential optimistic. psychology, yeah. optimistic yeah. psychology. Yeah. So that's, I think, what the potential is here. That's why I think that's, that's part of the inspiration for me was we can take this situation of chaos and you find an alliance between people who whose families are directly impacted by addiction and mental illness with people whose, you know, the business leaders, the tech workers, the people who are directly impacted by the homeless crisis to come up with a better plan. In the families themselves, you talk, you, I know you spoke to families of addicts. Um, and people suffering in the tenderloin specifically here in San Francisco, they overwhelmingly would like to see their own uh, family members arrested and the consequence. Of course. And so when we look at this, you know, and it's very, it's a very hard discussion for people to have. 
But imagine you're at the family of the son or the daughter who's in the tenderloin and you have been so broken and crushed that you literally want your own brother, sister, son, daughter, mother, father, cousin, uncle, brother, whatever, to be arrested because not being arrested, being in a jail, as horrible as that is, the family members would literally rather see their family member put in jail for some number of months or ye a year in order to sober up and in order to possibly get on the recovery path than remain on the street. Yet we have a group of individuals, I guess some cynical people believe are profiting from this. We talk about the industrial homeless complex here in San Francisco. There are hundreds of millions of dollars. I've heard people say a billion dollars um, where people are, let's face it, profiting uh, in some way. Now, their intent could be good. They could believe they're doing the right thing. They could be, you know, in the short term, removing suffering. Uh, and all that can still be true. But the fact is, I think the families and what they would like to see happen with their family member trumps what, you know, what people would frame as the bleeding heart you know, or very far left, very permissive uh, group of people running these, um, in, in many cases, for profit or very profitable homeless uh, organizations are getting. Am I too yeah, cynical right. in my framing there? Or am I? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, of course. I mean, if your child or your brother or your parent were on the street, if I were on the street out of control because of addiction or mental illness, I would want to be arrested and mandated treatment. Of course you would, because otherwise mm -hmm. you could die. You know, close to 100% of the women are being sexually assaulted. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really people prey on each other on the streets. This is not a safe yeah. environment. So we have this, the issue has been, I mean, the manipulation of people's minds has been around one flew over the cuckoo's nest. People mm -hmm. don't want to be involuntarily hospitalized. But like I said, the, the easy way to solve that is that we're not going to um, be involuntarily hospitalizing people who aren't breaking laws. You can still have a choice if you'd rather if you break the law um, and you'd rather go to jail, that's fine. But if you'd rather accept uh, mandatory psychiatric or addiction care, that should be the option. Well, we removed that option. This is, um, you know, it's interesting when you interview people in Europe, they often say, you know, we don't criminalize addiction. If you want to be a drug addict in the privacy of your own home, not breaking any of the laws, I think most of us are fine with that. I think it's terrible, but I, I think we should stigmatize it socially, but I don't think it should be a priority for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the new, that's the social contract, so to speak, is that, you know, you can, there's a lot of, we give a lot of freedom for people to use drugs in California, but you can't be breaking the law. If the drug use has gotten out of control that you're breaking laws, then you should be given the option of jail or some mandatory treatment. Yeah. I, it's, I think we've run an experiment that has run its course. And yes. if you were to look at that experiment, the, the result is life on the street. Uh, and this open air, uh, drug market leads to super drugs, which are distinctly different than the drugs that people may have recreationally used at Berkeley themselves or any number of right. places. A and it's a different class of drug. And until you can have a really adult discussion that fentanyl and meth is different than mushrooms and weed, yeah. you, you, you cannot paint these things with the same brush. And then the horror of living in the tenderloin is objectively worse than going to prison or going to treatment and in fact if you were to rank them by people who've been to all three they would tell you living that life on the street is horrific going to jail is horrific and going to treatment is challenging and hard but 
you know, was the thing that ultimately got them productive in society. Why are you yeah. qualified for this job? What makes you qualified uh, to to execute on this plan? Which seems, uh, by all observations by people listening in the audience or when we discuss this and, and with the group, you seem to have picked a very pragmatic, logical platform here that is right down the middle. Okay, great. We all agree. It's a it's a solid platform. Why can you be the person to execute on this? Why should we vote for you in the, in the primary here? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a funny question because um, it it feels like uh, when I when I first started thinking about the job, I remember looking at it being like, yeah, I could do that job. Um, <laughs> that either can yeah. sound if you don't think I'm qualified, that that'll sound arrogant. If if I sound qualified, then maybe reassuring. Yeah, but it always felt like a job that I could do. It's these are issues I understand. I really care about the state. You know, I've done a book now on the crime, drug, and homeless crisis. I've done another book on energy and the environment. I've I pay a lot of attention to things like healthcare systems, education. My whole family are policy wonks. These are, these problems all seem manageable to me. You know, I've traveled to Europe and see how they dealt with it there. I've looked at how Florida has handled its um, school choice, which is a system I care. I believe in that parents should have greater choice where their kids go to school. And you know, I'm uh, on the one hand, I'm a very open person. I want to I want to build agreement among people that have differences. I'm very I'm I'm 50 years old. I came from the radical left, and I'm just much more moderate and open minded to different perspectives. But I'm also, I think, disagree. I think you say I'm a disagreeable person in other ways. Um, <laughs> there's certain things where there's certain things that I'm really firm on. Like, I think we need to have a statewide psychiatric and addiction care system. I'm I'm very convinced and and make the argument that we can't solve this at the county level. Mm. But on other things like how exactly would school choice work? Would it be public schools or would it also include private schools? You know, um, would people be allowed to be in in trials for psychedelic drug use if they're in rehab? I'm open to that. Um, I'm open to housing. Like, how do we get it built? Where is it built? Ultimately, that has to be a decision made by the people. So I think I've got some of the discernment here to be like, and I think I understand Californians well enough. I mean, it's just this issue we were describing. There's people that are mental health advocates and and also Europeans, which they they would really like to see people with serious mental illness like schizophrenia just be mandated medicine and mandated treatment. I think if if all else were being equal, I agree. Like my aunt has schizophrenia; she did well in a group home. But I also know Californians well enough. I think that I think that there's just enough libertarianism and squeamishness around requiring psychiatric care for people that haven't broken any other laws and so my view has been let's start with dealing with the folks that are on the streets suffering from mental illness and causing causing problems similarly with drug addiction i don't want to criminalize addiction nobody should have to go to jail or prison just because they're an addict nobody should have to accept shelter but you can't sleep on the streets yeah so you know there's you know, you can't you have break to be able the law. to hold these these things that are seemingly inconsistent, but in your head at the same time, because it is a complex yes. problem. You can't yeah, you can't stay on the street. Yes. You can be addicted, but you can't be addicted on the street. You can't commit yep. crime. If you do go to jail, it's going to be because you stab somebody or you rob somebody's home, not because of the addiction, but the addiction may have caused you to do that because yes. you needed money to service the addiction. So. This is a very adult, you know, you have to be able to make a couple of logic jumps here. Yes. Um, we're criminalizing, well, we're criminalizing behavior, not health status. Right. So you might be sick, 
but we're not going to criminalize that. But if your yeah. sickness leads you to break laws, then we're going to make treatment, whether that's rehab or psychiatric care, the alternative to incarceration, because that's obviously the most humane thing to do. So my latest is that when people sort of would ask me what my identity is, you know, I say I'm a liberal in my compassion for the vulnerable. I'm a libertarian in my passion for freedom. And I'm a conservative in that I believe you need civilization for both. Try, people ask me, well, how do you balance that? Well, that's it. It just kind of goes, yeah, yeah. we're not going to criminalize addiction or mental illness, but we are going to, we are going to criminalize public camping, defecating on the streets, public drug use, public drug dealing, both because you can't have a city without enforcing those laws. Right. But also enforcing those laws are what ultimately are the ways that we in America, and I think it's different in this in Europe, but that's how we in America are going to get people the help they need. Listen, uh, I am super supportive of what you're doing. And in fact, I am voting for you. So thank you. People Jason. should make Appreciate their own that. choice. Uh, but the reason I'm voting for you here in this primary is because I think Gavin Newsom has done a horrible job. I think that his, uh, you know, if you're proven ineffective, you had your shot, you were ineffective, things got worse under your watch, and you're not focused on the right things. Therefore, I would like to see you debate just that for me, get you the vote. Now, if you do a great job debating him and we can and you can build a, a you know this platform uh all the better and uh it would be great to see some change here i've been a lifelong i've voted lifelong democrat but like you i am conservative on some concept i guess i'm conservative on some concepts like gosh you know i'd like to balance the budget i don't know if that's conservative or liberal today since they all spend so much money but i would like to see us be fiscally responsible I don't know where that puts me in terms of party allegiance. I would like to see reasonable policing, but I don't want mass incarceration. Again, right. don't know which party I'm in. <laughs> it's hard to tell, but I just love the idea of an independent candidate. And I love the idea of an Thank independent you. candidate who's got, you know, who's done the research and uh, who takes a shot and who's doing it because they're motivated to see the world get better and because they love the the the, the city or state they're living in. So I applaud you. Uh, I don't know you that well. But I'm, I'm increasingly, um, you know, interested in seeing you succeed because we do need to have more people run for office and we intent matters. And I think your approach to it matters, which is, hey, let's just do the research. Let's find a solution and let's execute on it. And like you said, it's not rocket science. If we don't have enough homes, we're going to need to build more. And if we want to have less people addicted to drugs, uh, especially the super drugs, that's the way I look at it. If we want them non-addicted to super drugs, we're going to have to say super drugs are not allowed and enforce that existing law. Again, not rocket science, people. Uh, Michael Schellenberg is running for governor. You have your ballots. You can vote for him in the primary. And let's see him come in second and debate Gavin Newsom. I love it. I want to see that debate. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I want to, I, I, when, when you do the debate prep, I want to come. I want to come here, that debate <laughs> prep. And I'm good with some one-liners. I, I, it would be very cool if I could get a one-liner in there that, made its way into the debate, you know? I could punch up maybe some one-liners for you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, let's yeah. get through the primary tomorrow and hopefully yeah. that'll happen. Everybody go vote in California, please. And uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how you do, Michael. And uh, best of luck to you. Thanks so much, Jason. Appreciate okay. being here. Cheers. This Week in Startups is supported by First Republic Bank. A seamless banking experience is something we all want. But what does it really mean? At First Republic, it means you have access to your own personal banker, someone who knows your name and is there for you when you need them. So whether you're browsing their full suite of services 
or you just have questions about your bank statement. You can reach out to your personal banker by phone or email and through their secure banking app. Ashley, a managing director on my team, has worked with First Republic on one of our fund accounts for almost four years, and she loves their customer service and support. See what a difference an always-on seamless banking experience can make for you. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hey, Molly, welcome. Well, hello. Hello, how are you? Little bonus BC school. Well, we were waiting for you. I know that you had a sitch. You had a sitch and uh, you had to never get pets. People never get pets. Oh, no. The worst nightmare for any dog owner happened this weekend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Last night. No, no. It happened last night at 1030. Oh, great. It Always great when you got to go to bed and get your... one. Ended around one after oh, multiple no. baths and yeah, no, no, totally. So no, it, no Cinderella happens. sleep? Uh-oh. No Cinderella, Cinderella sleep. didn't get her sleep. No. I love the Cinderella Just going to be... A, <laughs> what do I need to clean up today? Just... It is, is tough. It, uh, this is like the light. I was talking to some moms about life uh, and it's uh, like... The life of a mom. And it's like, it just never ends. A single mom, even harder, right? Like, you got, yes. Well, that, yeah. Single mom, breadwinner, homeowner. It's like all on you. I am really not smart. It's what I'm thinking. Like, what <laughs> I'm realizing is like, I'm not smart. Like, I could have made a lot more choices to make my life easier, such as not have two dogs. Or, or like, couldn't I have bought like a nice like condo with no freaking wildlife? That would have been exactly. smart. Yeah. Um, here's what I'd say. Uh, you're, you're not smart. You're brilliant. Uh, but that's only from working with you. Uh, oh, thanks, you know, partner. I needed that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, even brilliant people can make inadvisable <sighs> decisions at times. We do, not, we do not always make our lives easier. Let's just put it that way. Well, you know what? Smart people, I have a theory, uh, mm-hmm. will increasingly make their lives more complex because they're good at solving problems. So it's like, well, yeah. two dogs, what could be the worst thing that could happen? And it's like, yeah, I don't know, great. the night before a big week, a skunk attacks your dog. And you've got to give them 17 baths and they still smell terrible and you're exhausted. But anyway, you're here. That's I'm all here. that matters. I'm here. Uh, we, we got, got a lot this. of news to go through. So we got this. We got this. Hey, good game yesterday, huh? Warriors yeah. bounced back quite nicely. Right? Maybe I'm the pr- the curse here. Oh, no, no. It was Sax. Sax in the front row. Oh, yeah. That'll do it with that they dour. Lose. That dour energy. Just <laughs> Well, absolutely. That Asperger's energy just kills just the game. looking at him like. <laughs> <laughs> He's so sad. And then. Sacks, they remove Sacks from the front row and they put J Cal in the front row. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Boom. Boom. We crush them. We destroy Gorgeous. them. Gorgeous. Wow. Everybody showed up. Pool party. Clay yeah, pool was party. back. Draymond. Draymond mixing it up. Yeah. Include this Getting in the, the show, by the way. This will be a little warm up for tea. the show. Um, yeah, uncall for tea, but uh, it was it was great. I, I was literally great. get into my front row seat that uh a friend of mine got me, uh, which was quite nice. Uh, thank you to my friend. Um, I didn't ask for his permission to say online on the air, so yeah. I didn't say. Um, and I sit down, and whose seats am I next to? <laughs> Cheryl Sandberg. I saw your I picture. I was like, not. shut the front door <laughs> with this. Like, I think Cheryl's like, Jake out. This freaking guy. Cheryl and I are drinking. We're You're cheering. You're like, what are we working on now? Well, I was like, don't get another job. I told her, I was like, you know, you're going to get a lot of job offers. Take a year mm-hmm. off because there's not that many years left and, you know, you've worked it. really hard. Um, and I, I won't talk about our conversation, but it's quite fun because <laughs> we've got a great history together. Um, we had a real long talk for three hours. It was fun. That's uh, so great. So you were, and you were like fun. under the basket. I was, yeah. Tell me, tell the, me about this placement compared to, you know, bench yeah, so, under the um, basket. It's, 
the seats we were in the second row center court are better in that you can see the action on both sides of court. The seats at the baseline are better because you can see the are better than the half court if you for half the game, because you're closer to the action, you see this action around the basket. So I mean, what to say, you're like, literally, if I took three steps, I would be under the basket, which means like all that action under the basket is just happening. Then I'm was, you know, uh, I guess they call that kitty corner to, uh, you know, the, the bench and Draymond was getting into it with Williams. And I started getting into it with Williams. And then Draymond <laughs> and I were laughing at Williams. Of and I was telling Williams, you have no rings. He's got all the rings. And then Draymond said to me, that guy's a fan. He's a fan. I was like, you want an autograph? I'll get you an autograph from Draymond. So Draymond and I are standing up with the only two guys standing up yelling oh at God. the Celtics. And I I'm like, oh my it. God, I'm going to, he's not going to get thrown out of the game. I'm going to get thrown out of the game. So exactly. I got to sit down. But the whole audience starts getting into it. And it was a whole Michigan craziness. Uh, but it was a good time. And congratulations to my pal Draymond, who just absolutely was, you know, he's just that X factor in the game. When he does so that, great. when he just shows up just a little bit different, it's everything. It's the complete, it's yeah. a complete change in approach. And you could see the like hmm. fired upness of the rest of the team. Oh, yes. Like oh, you could yes. really see it. I mean, he just to see the- Jordan Poole show up like that in the third and fourth yeah. quarter was just a Whoa, delight. And he I hit love that, those like, young kids. court shot. Yeah. It's like, it's on. Steph was like, Whoa. <laughs> I mean, the roof almost came off the building. So I bet. it was I bet. absolutely awesome. Great. Go dubs. And uh, I'm sticking with my Warriors and six. Yeah. I think the Celtics are an incredible team. Um, other people are thinking this is going to be what they call a gentleman sweep, uh, which is you, the other team gets to win one game and they save face a little bit. Um, I'm still going Celtics and six. I think this is a Warriors, very serious Warriors and six. Warriors and, and six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Celtics win two games. Um, Celtics are no joke. Um, and I got to hang out with Bill Simmons finally. So I was in the, oh, yeah. you know, the VIP area and, uh, I saw Bill Simmons and we had a nice podcasting talk and, uh, I saw, uh, Chad Hurley, um, professional poster oh, yeah. on Twitter, yeah, former totally. founder of, or, or still co-founder of YouTube. So we had a nice conversation. He wants to come on the pod. I saw Brian from Airbnb. So Again, a who's who of uh, Great. Silicon Valley and celebrities and a win, which is all that matters, really. That's all that matters. How many of those Silicon Valley guys? Because I saw this, I, I saw, I think, a Twitter thread to the effect that, like, you know, now going through Game and Chase is just so, it's like a bunch of Silicon Valley guys who don't know anything about basketball. Not true. Um, I don't know that that's entirely true. No, I think there are some people like some of that. who, you know, are just showing up because it's the finals. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, that's not a dictus act. Does he not like basketball? No, he had courtside seats to the Warriors for a couple oh. seasons, but he didn't. He rarely went to Oakland because it was a, you know, it's a challenge to get out to Oakland, as you know, if you're in the city or you're in the peninsula. It was like a two-hour mission. Uh, yeah, no, he's not like the most sophisticated basketball fan. Um, but you know, other people are there every game, you know, and then they are super into it. Yeah, um, and it's a great culture, I have to say, out here because I think a lot of the culture of the Warriors team. And how well they play together, how well they're coached, how well the team is managed, um, and, and the longevity of this, you know, um, this trio, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, yeah, is something you don't see in the NBA all that much now. So that is super attractive, and I think a lot of folks who are in Silicon Valley think about building teams, and to have the most well constructed, disciplined team to be our team, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. I think it resonates with people. Um, and so I, I think it's like a mutual respect 
Uh, you have Raymond, Steph, and Clay, who are just world class. You have Steve Kerr, who's world class, and then this other cast of characters mm -hmm. uh, that have been, you know, the supporting cast from Bogut to David Lee, uh, Andre Iguodala. Kevin I mean, to have Iguodala come back, I think, is such a big, you know, sweet. like such yeah. a great vote of confidence. Yeah, love it. Yeah, it's all great. It. So, uh, but a we lot should of probably news has fly to happening. Boston. All right, let's talk about time. I know we probably should fly to Boston. Uh, yeah, I just got to keep working. We got to keep working. I got a lot of deal memos. I got to get out this yeah. week for the syndicate. I'm behind on my deal memos. I got you know where you can get a lot of work done. Turns out is oh, a, on a plane cross country flight. On the plane. <laughs> saying, wow, like, look at Molly. She's focus time. Full, you've got full VC now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody tweeted like just VCs. enabling. Oh my god! Somebody <laughs> tweeted uh, this great tweet. There, it might have been VC Brags on Twitter, <laughs> and they were like. VCs be like, cut your staff, do layoffs, belt tightening, lower valuations, and meanwhile, sitting courtside or coming from Grand Prix of Miami to sit courtside uh, for the Warriors. And I just responded with, who, me? You were like, <laughs> no comment. It was the who, me, uh, who, um, me? the who, me with, um, from Carmelo Anthony when they asked him if he would ever consider playing on the bench. And he was on the thing and he said, who, me? Me? <laughs> it was a classic. But listen. Let's get into the news. Right, There's a lot of it. news. Let's and it. it looks like some news broke. And we can do a live reaction here. Apple had its uh, is right now, uh, as yeah, we speak, as we're, we're talking, this, mm -hmm. as we're talking, the worldwide developer conference is going on, and it's just being teed up right now. Uh, and so maybe we could, uh, Molly, you could set us up here about what's going on over there. And then we could watch a video and live react to it because we don't know Love this it. is notes that came in <gasps> while we were on air. Surprise! So this is live reaction. Like, a, like so, a CNN kind of report. I've just really been waiting for there to be a big breaking news alert that's like <laughs> Apple announces it hears you about the Bluetooth thing and is fixing it. So far, <laughs> I have not gotten that breaking news alert. Yeah, Had it no. been a notification while I was in the car taking my kid to work, uh, I wouldn't have received it because Bluetooth doesn't work in my car anymore. Bluetooth gate continues. Bluetooth gate goes on. However, uh, However. Apple has announced it, but enough about me. Uh, Apple has announced a bunch of new iOS 16 mm -hmm. features. Uh, you can now customize the theme colors and layout of your lock screen. Sometimes I get to the point where I'm like describing these Apple events and I'm like, we're still doing this. We really yeah. are. Yeah. We're really yeah, I mean, talking made it. about customized yeah. lock screen sure. widgets. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, some slightly cooler things you can the kids these days all use iMessage as their social network it is the group yes. chat of choice and apple seems to have realized that which is cool they're now bringing a share play api to huh? iMessages which means you can actually watch videos live together Ooh. which is cool oh wow um, yeah like a watch party uh like a watch incredible party. and you know how i mean they're always sharing like a youtube video and you got to watch it and then tell people what you thought or like hit play at the same time i think that's actually like that's a great feature. Because people have been saying for years that mm. iMessage could be a social network. I mean, it really could be like a privacy yeah. first, you know, non-public social network. And that's how people use it with group chat. So this is actually, I think, yeah. you don't want to be the cool. green. You don't want to be the gr what is it? The green is the you don't want to be people. the green bubble in the group. Oh, man, I am really enough for the green bubbles. I told my my, my teams no more. <laughs> Ixnay on the green bubbles. I am not uh paying for i'm not reimbursing green bubbles it's like if you're going to be in the vc land you got to have an iphone and i mean and i know they're never going to but just no they will please hurry up and like they need to release iMessage as it's not going to happen and this it's never going to happen this is the why would thing because it sells they, iphones it sells iphones like the i tried to move to android and i was i was parallel i was doing a parallel thing and i was like okay 
Yeah. I'm going to get off this iOS and I'm going to go full Google stack. And I tried and I was using Chrome a whole bunch and it was iMessage that kept me. So they know that's what's keeping me. Absolutely. And I looked into all these third party tools of like how to get iMessage on your Windows desktop. And like, they're like, well, you can set up an iMac and then do like a remote thing and pop it up in a window. And I'm like, so I buy a second, take an old second computer and I'm, you know, and like use it as just an iMessages terminal. As a terminal that I'm opening up in a second window, like, you know, doing a remote thing. And I was like, oh God, this is so complex. Can yeah. Apple please just let the world use this? And it, they would take over, but I, the profits from the iPhone are worth more. So. Uh, that's, the that anyway, that's the sun. Anyway, let's watch this. Here's a 72 minute. Here's a 72 let's second clip. Yeah, we'll talk to you on the other side. And now we're adding three of the most highly requested features to messages. First, have you ever sent a message only to immediately realize you didn't quite say what you intended? Well, no worries, because now you can edit any message you just sent. <laughs> so embarrassing typos can be a thing of the past. <laughs> Second, have you ever wished you'd never sent that message at all? Nice. Well, good news. Now you have undo send. So you can immediately recall a recent misfire. Thank you. And finally, you can what? now mark any thread as unread. God damn a perfect it. tool if you don't have time to respond in the moment and want to be sure to come back to a message oh, later. Oh, wow. Unread. <laughs> <laughs> we just got punked by our own producers. We just got punked by our own producers. I, I was like, wait a minute. That was the actual Apple. I don't like that. <laughs> well, would be hilarious if they, they did us. that, but they did that was us. That they was didn't. Us. Holy cow. Bravo, producer Nick. But Shut also, the front though, door. accurate. Because, it, I mean, right? This is the kind of like. I'm so hyped right now. Usability, awesome yeah. sauce. Okay, hold just on. Three things we it. just saw. Number one, you can edit a message for a typo, auto correct. You can take ducking and make it the right word. The right word. <laughs> Thank you for saving me. <laughs> Number two, you can take that back. If you said something, I'm not saying I've said something to a spouse or a friend <laughs> that I immediately after hitting the send button was like, oops. Or just wrong you, thread. Like wrong or, thread or happens wrong all thread, the time. Like the simplest delete. version is just wrong thread. You're like, ah, crap, oh, that was wow. not for you. That was for my husband. Or, you know, I get that Man. from like my girlfriend, Christine, all the time. And it's always like, what are we having for dinner? Da, da, da. And she's like, dang it. I'm like, because our names start with them. Right. Both of them. So now, and then also you have uh, Mark as unread. The simple mm -hmm. email feature, which allows you, instead of saying, remind me of this, it's like, okay, I'm going to keep it unread so I know to reply to it. Um, of those three, take a moment here, Molly, which one is the most awesome for you? <laughs> like most awesome, awesome for you. So this <laughs> has a lot to do with you, Molly, and your personality. What yeah. do you, if you could only have one, which one would you want? I mean, it's so terrible because like I feel like you, Mary kill here, you so already just... know what a, like a control freak I am. Like I can't live with a typo. I can't. For me, it's the typo. It's a hundred percent the typo. Yes. I don't send messages I want to recall very often. No. Um, sometimes number I do two forget is, things. The typo is very close to the mark is unread, though, because w the worst thing in the world for any interaction 
is yes. when someone sees that you've read their message, but mm -hmm. you haven't answered. Yes. So if you can mark it as unread and it doesn't show up as read to them, then they're like, mm. oh, she hasn't seen it yet. It's okay. She's not ignoring me. As opposed to Correct. it shows up as read and she knows. And and yes, by the way, chat. Um, yeah, of course, all this stuff came from WhatsApp. Yeah, of That's course. That's what everybody does now. Like, well, I mean, it's specifically Apple. They're like, go ahead. Specifically Apple. They're always like, it, make whatever features you want. Mine now. And two years later, now. three years later, we'll add it. You know, yeah, when, totally. when we're, yeah, we're just like, we dunk we, on Zuckerberg a lot for stealing everybody's stuff. But let's be yeah. real. Apple pioneered this model. <laughs> Well, Apple does it. They bring you this thing with and they're time like, delay. And I think welcome. their time delay is intentional, Molly. I, this is my theory. Yeah. Yeah. They want to let their app developers exploit all these new features, test them. That's their R&D department. Mm -hmm. And then when those, but you don't want to piss them off. So what right. Zuck does is, oh, you came out with spaces. Oh, you came out with stories. Oh, you came out with ephemeral messages, lenses. I am in a race to get that onto our platform in a shorter period of time. Because he doesn't have an app store. So why does he care if he upsets Evan Spiegel, our friend from the Warriors game? Uh, why does he care? He doesn't care. Yeah. But Apple does have an issue. So if they were to steal these features, the people in the app store would be like, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. And then you would have this vibe like Amazon started getting. Hey, you're studying our data. You know we're getting downloaded a lot. And then you made an Amazon basics. So Apple is brilliant. These features, as somebody pointed out, have been out for what five years in different messaging platforms totally three to five so they had say? plenty of head start it's literally they less gave them such take a good head start exploit it we're not going anywhere we own the platform so good go observation that they yeah. basically are like we'll give you this head start we'll make sure that our, make it our own users are like clamoring for this so that by the time they get it they're just like apple is our god line up for more and then they could say look in the interest of fairness you had five years to build an audience and you just didn't well i mean based on the yeah. supercut are Genius. Uh, very genius producers uh, who are being very well managed, I will say, by very management's well. doing a very good job here. <laughs> I, I, I think that this is a direct result of, of depth management by me, but they have more time uh, allocated to do creative things. And that was a very creative thing to do. So shout out to Nick, who that I was adorable. I love the culprit it. here. I but what's it. great about what Nick just did with this video is that video um, just perfectly encapsulates this theory i have which is they wait three four or five years and then people forget about the feature mm -hmm. and then when you get it you're like oh my god it's a new feature again it's amazing oh my god I mean, it's it amazing really... you can edit it's like but you can do that it's in these really other like yeah. being it's like being in a cult where they come along and they're like now you can have yes hamburgers and yes. you're like oh, i was about oh to god, say it's a cheeseburger <laughs> they're like and now is our new innovation it's six ounces of ground beef between <laughs> Two pieces of bread with cheese. We think we you're going to love you it. The cheeseburger. And people but are you like, know, oh my God, a cheeseburger. In classic Apple star style, they would start with the hamburger and then two yeah. years later, they'd add cheese. And you'd be like, oh my God. And they charge you extra for the cheese. <laughs> if you want with your cheeseburger, cheese. you can pay $199 for the cheeseburger stand with just exactly. cheese. If you want to exactly. spend another $99, we'll put it in a box. <laughs> um, you get well, this we is get interesting. Them. Um, okay, so what else? So the, I, that's the iMessages stuff. There's yes. the lock screen thing, which like, yay, whatever, customize your phone. Um, people love that stuff. Apple also announced this is big coming for uh, the buy now pay later space, which <laughs> has had some Wait, issues what? later. Uh, some issues. Wait, Apple what? announced <laughs> Apple pay later. APL? APL. They're putting out an APL. 
They're putting out an APL so Got that it. you can use your, uh, which is, which is interesting because as we've discussed, like that's how a lot of people are using their Apple card. Mm-hmm. And by a lot of people, I mean like me, like when I buy any Apple products, I am respectively using Apple Pay later, but now they're rolling it out for, I guess, buying other items with Apple Pay too. You can sort of buy now, pay later with it. All right. There's no video for it. It's it's not explained, uh, but uh, obviously it's very basic. I don't, we don't know yet if we know they were doing this for Apple products, but how this integrates into other commerce experiences, I guess, is an unknown, Mm -hmm. but I guess if somebody signs up for this and you use Apple Pay, and I'm increasingly using Apple Pay because of its simplicity, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell you something, Apple Pay on your watch is next level. So I was using a, um, I had a very frustrating moment. I was indignant, in fact. I was using the, I, I parked by the ferry building and had to use a parking meter. Mm. And it said you could NFC this, you use your watch, and it didn't work. And I was outraged. outraged. Because when I went to get my, blue bottle coffee i was able to beep beep ding pay for it yeah and then you know i went to i was doing another experience uh recently i'm trying to remember what it was but it was another food experience where i was ordering from a kiosk it was in the airport and i paid with my apple watch and it's so delightful to not take out your phone or your wallet and just pretty awesome watch it's great now what if i could say i buy this blue bottle coffee and listen it's not cheap molly this is like six bucks <laughs> well, i keep paying later it's eight now with inflation if, if i could do that six dollars i could pay i could pay later i could do four easy payments of a dollar fifty over the next four months with no interest no interest yeah oh my lord i would only be paying a dollar fifty for that coffee in some and way. they show the i just dropped this in the in the chat if you can if we can pull it up because there's a good screenshot of how it would look so you have this option pay in full or you uh-huh. just do a little slider, pay later, and then it's like, oh, okay, 46, 27 every two weeks, four payments. Uh, and it shows you in two weeks, in four weeks, in six weeks, how much it is, no interest, total cost. I mean, to be honest, it's like way more transparent than the Other buy now, papers. pay later options now. Yes. What I do think is interesting and a thing that drives me absolutely insane about uh, Apple Pay is mm-hmm. that it looks like you have to use your card, your Apple card. Huh. I don't so know if that's true. I mean, no, it just no, says... I think it would do Apple Pay because I fill up like five. Well, I shouldn't say this. Somebody's just steal my phone. But I put five grand on my Apple Pay like at the start of the year. Right. So you could do it with whatever probably. So I oh, that's Apple smart. Pay, I want to do that. I the, and I have the card set up to auto pay. So I will use my card from time to time, but I'm just always using Apple Pay for everything. And it's just so delightful. So um, it says Apple Pay later is available everywhere. Apple Pay is accepted mm-hmm. online or in app using the mastercard network that's from apple so oh she could do it on anything so that would mean any card whoa, that you've loaded whoa, into whoa, apple whoa. pay well, that's great because if it was just tied to the card, because one thing that drives me crazy about apple pay is that oh. even though i have set my chase card as my default because those are the best points in the business it mm-hmm. always wants it always defaults to using the apple card to pay first and i'm always like mm-hmm. no but mm-hmm. this, but if, if you've just yeah. set up Apple pay with either cash or any card or a debit card or whatever it looks like you'll be able well, to use here's them all, what's is interesting awesome. they've just but you have this to apply. Is, uh, hold on a second. I, I think I underestimated what's happening here. Because my first question was, I guess that they, they're going to have to make a deal with each merchant or something. And I'm reading here from the release. Apple Pay Later is available and everywhere Apple Pay is accepted online or in-app mm-hmm. using the MasterCard network. Okay, those are the qualifiers. So if they use Apple Pay and it's MasterCard, because I guess they, you know, the, the fees matter here, uh, you can do this. 
which means, I mean, everybody supports Apple Pay now. It's like becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. So this means that they're going to have a footprint that's much bigger than a firm or any of the other people doing this. In other words, it's being done not on a merchant by merchant basis. It's being done on like a platform basis. This is really disruptive. I mean, mm -hmm. I, what is this going to do to a firm stock? Do we have, because who are the, uh, is there any, are oh, there any other publicly done. traded? A firm has to be yeah. getting walloped right now. I think now. it already is. Let me look. I'm going to just pull it up real quick. Because yeah, no, this firm is a, this is actually a huge deal. Down 3%, 2.87. So it's actually moderately That's because people haven't figured it out that, yet. I actually heard that uh, that uh, Max, Max Levchin um, was on CNBC today. So I mm. mentioned that was a preemptive. Mm -hmm. um, in the past five days, they're down 20%. So it's it's obviously been a rough ride for them. Um, and I don't even know since the peak, but that's one of those stocks that got yeah. a mega wallop. They were at $168 November 4th. They're now at $24. And so they are down 85% from the peak. Peak Trow, ninety one percent. Oh my lord! And oh now Apple lord. just now Apple just came and said like, "Peace mm. out." Now, as we recently looked up, Apple mm -hmm. has about a fifty one percent market share in the United States. So okay. it's not like everybody in America is all of a sudden going to be using this. You have to have Apple Pay set just up and have your stuff well in there. Healed. Just the just most the, well healed customers. Just the people who buy the Ouch. most stuff. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, and you can. <laughs> I know. I mean, this is like. You know, I think there's like generally after my years as a business journalist, I have realized that there is generally an underestimation of the mm. importance of things that are related to financial stuff. Like, yeah, overall. Right. I was talking about this this weekend at a conference with uh, in relation to climate. Like, guys, it feels like there's not a lot happening in politics, but there's a ton happening in money. And that's actually more important. Yeah. This is that like, that's great that you can customize your lock screen or whatever. But Apple just started dominating payments dominating and here's dominating. something they made it so easy so you look at crypto and crypto's like we're a better payment system i don't know i open up my phone every day and the user interface is so great on this and now i can spread my payments out over six weeks not that i need to but why wouldn't i to why your point I? there's no interest there's no interest and so time is money uh like this is i mean uh, listen i'm not the customer here but it, I was the customer probably 15 years ago. And 15 years ago, this would have been meaningful to me when I was, well, maybe 20, when I was living more on a, you know, month to month, mm -hmm. quarter to quarter basis. This is significant. What's really interesting about this, Molly, is if you think about Apple's competitive advantages, they have all the money. With mm -hmm. a $200 billion plus hedge fund, they don't need to go to anybody to secure a facility. Yep. So a firm or any other buy now, pay later company, they need to set up money and pay interest on it in some way. And then there's some margin here. Apple could just make this a feature. So for them to float your money for six weeks, cost nothing. Yep. And for you to buy a phone every two years and make them $600 in mm -hmm. profit and to use the app store and make them probably another 600 in profit with that 30%. Totally. And if I you mean, this have the Apple card and wow. you end up and also they have and I hate wow. to say this, right? Apple is they're big on privacy, but this also gives them a lot of insight into data, yes. shopping data, like a yep. lot, a lot. If you have the Apple card, they're taking a transaction fee every time that you use that Apple card to do these purchases. I mean, this is just like if this is actually how Apple discovers a new solar system, yep. if you will. Yeah, because this is a huge um, deal. 
But also, yeah. it still sells iPhones because you can only do this on Apple devices. It's freaking well, genius. It's so genius. Um, so they also have an API, which is interesting for the lock screen. So what this means is uh, anybody can build a lock screen experience. In other words, you have the app store. Mm-hmm. You make an app there. Uh, you know, the Peloton app, let's say, uh, or Spotify. Better example. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Spotify watch app, right? It's an extension of that. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Spotify widget, you know, that you could float on your, you know, desktop or your iPad desktop or your phone or, or, uh, or when you swipe left, there's that little area that can, it's not the control center, but it's the other area for like notifications. What this means is there's another app extension, essentially. So what could you do with the phone is locked? You pick it up and you see something. So mm-hmm. let's watch this 56 second clip cool. where uh, Craig uh, from Apple explains. Sometimes notifications can cover up your personal photo. So we've rethought how they appear. Notifications now roll in from the bottom of the lock screen as you receive them. Mm. And you can choose to hide them throughout the day. Now, sometimes you get a bunch of notifications from an app, like when you're following the score of a basketball game. Well, now Mm. there's a better way to keep tabs with Mm. something called live activities. Mm. Live activities make it easier to stay on top of things that are Mm. happening in real time, right Mm. from your lock screen. And for developers, starting in an update to iOS 16 later this year, they can use the live activities API to create these compact and glanceable experiences. This will make it really easy Mm. to follow that NBA game, track the progress of an Uber ride, See how you're doing on your workout and more, all while letting the other elements on the lock screen shine. All right. Another winner. Small thing that's existed on the Android for a long time. Like a long time. Like a long time. Yeah. But what an amazing cheeseburger. I'd like to try it. I've never had a cheeseburger. I know Android users have this, but. Do you think if I give you like $99, I could also have ketchup? I mean, awesome. Absolutely. Like, honestly. Slide up some. This, again. What color ketchup would you like? It existed comes in seven colors. (laughs) But that is freaking awesome to not have. There's so much stuff that I do on my phone all the time that I don't want to have to unlock it to monitor like a time, like a a song playing. I mean, they have those kind of like little widgets, but they don't totally work. The Uber thing is awesome. No, it's. The Uber one is the best one. The to, Uber to, one is the best one. I mean, like to just far. know it or DoorDash or mm-hmm. Instacart to see them approaching mm-hmm. or Domino's has their little status bar. You could have a little um, Amazon. Where's my stuff? Except Amazon won't do it because they're in a big huge fight or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Amazon. Uh, this is brilliant. I, and you know, what's really interesting that Great. we're starting to see here is Apple protecting our privacy. I mean, if you want to get really cynical about this, I did a tweet about it. Oh, uh, I do. Somebody, somebody named Seth Miller said the audacity after decimating the entire economy. Now, I don't know who Seth Mills 21 is, but uh, let's see if I can find his title. Uh, CEO of Rap Chat app. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So he's, he's so in one the of the many, yeah. like probably small companies that was, you know, injured by. Yeah. So here, look at this personalized this change, ad. So yeah. if we can pull up the screenshot. I guess he got an upsell um, when he was in maybe the news product. And it says personalized ads. So if you click on the his tweet and you click on the screenshot, let's zoom in on that. And I'll mm-hmm. just read you what it says. Personal ads and Apple apps such as the App Store and Apple News help you discover apps, products, and services that are relevant to you. We protect your privacy by using device-generated identifiers and not linking advertising information to your Apple ID. Turning on personalized ads 
uh, increases the relevance of ads shown. Uh, turning on personal ads increases the relevance of ads shown by letting us use data like account information, app and content purchases, and where available, the types of news stories you read. Apple does not track you or share your personal information with any third party. So anyway, Apple, mm-hmm. <laughs> 12 years after Facebook perfected personalized ads has launched personalized ads. <laughs> but Apple can do personalized ads because they're storing your data on your phone, I would think, and not sharing it with folks. Um, and they're using it in their app store and news apps to help you discover apps and products and services relevant to you. So they did it differently. So it's okay. <laughs> but is it though? We do not, by the way, they do not it's say hilarious. that they are storing this on device. And I'm certain that they're not. There's no way they could be storing they this information be. on tonight device. Otherwise, no. they couldn't offer you personalized anything. Like they no, no, need they, to be able could, to. Well, you're saying like because of speed? No, I'm saying they need to aggregate data around you. Otherwise, they can't target you. Well, here's what they could do they could have a hundred psychographic categories, right? Like NBA lover car lover, etc. Mm-hmm. And they get let's say they just had 100 on your phone, you, you know, so you like casual, you play casual games, or you play, you know, strategy games, whatever game category you're in, whatever they keep that on your phone. And it's going to you open up your news app, or you open up your app store, and it says, Hey, listen, this phone likes casual games and strategy games, cars and the NBA. And the ads, the people who are buying ads can say, can pick from those psychographic categories, but they can't target you. It's, you know, uh, unlike, say, Facebook. So I, I guess they could do it technically. They wouldn't be able to do it in real time, like in a search, right? Mm-hmm. Or in your feed in real time, because that would take it being on the server, I think, uh, and be be faster. But who knows? Um, but it we'll is, try to um, find out. Yeah, we'll try it's, to find out. I mean, it's it's just like, crazy hypocritical. <laughs> it's dirty as hell. It's dirty it as dirty. hell. Yeah, it and it was always dirty. coming. I mean, we've been saying coming. this for we've been saying. I think we've probably been saying this on some level. At least I have for half a decade or longer. Which was like Apple has a ton of data around you about you. Yep. It is only a matter of time before they want to monetize that data. Full stop. Yeah, but and this is that. It is that. And it's saying, we're only going to do this, though, in our walled garden. It'll only yes. be the data, which is just like, well, you know, we're not going to follow you across in. the web the way that Facebook did. Here's a big difference, Molly. You have to give them this. They're asking you to opt into it with a very understandable message. Right. So what percentage of which people Which they didn't would... do at first. By default, when iOS 15 came out, you ha- it, it was oh, not. Yeah. It was Maybe they weren't out. doing personal. And they changed it. No, they no, changed they changed it. it. They specifically yeah. got in a lot of trouble and then changed it. So if Facebook did this and Facebook said, hey, we want to personalize ads to you. Is that okay? I would feel a lot better about Facebook. I'll be honest. Um, but yeah. you know, burying this stuff in the interfaces, um, this is where I think defaults matter. So I will give, I'll give Apple like a, a B on this. You might give them a C or a D, but I think it's like a B for me. I mean, I'll give it, them a B on yeah. interface. But and clarity, I, and I'm going to give them a choice. C or D on opting into targeted ads at all on on like targeted advertising only ends badly and shouldn't be necessary. Like that's I don't Listen, want that. And I just I, I, you I'm know, glad I, I can opt out. But the fact that I can opt out, but I like mm-hmm. know it exists now makes me suspicious in a way that I wasn't that's before. It was like I think that was Apple's moat. Brand. It feels, it feels off, off brand. brand. Yes, yeah. I think that's a really good insight. The other important insight I want to share with everybody is, and there's a lot of people commenting, 
on dominoes and the fact that I know the dominoes interface for the personalized screen. Okay, let me defend myself. Why would you have to? Domino's is awesome. (laughs) Domino's regular pizza is like a trashy delight, but it's trashy. I agree. I would never order like I'll go to like a really good brick oven place. I'll get really. But I have to say. I know where you're going with this. Vin crust pepperoni (laughs) is not pizza. It's not pizza, Nick. Producer Nick is absolutely in line with me on this. It's like having some other thing. It's like a little cracker. It's like a cracker like with a cheese and pepperoni on. It is the perfect, most delightful thing you can order for your daughters when watching Obi-Wan or The Mandalorian. And you've got to, I'm not saying like, you know, listen, I try to be the best dad I can, but sometimes you're caught in the crossfire and you got kids yelling and screaming at you and nobody's happy. Mom's not home. I'm a solo dolo. I am just like, one hand, I got the Domino's app. The other hand, I got Disney Plus. And I'm like, I got to get these three girls, you know, under control. I'm like, oh, look, Obi-Wan, <laughs> Mandalorian, boom, boom. Oh, look, I ordered Domino's. And all of a sudden, the world's right. I got the Domino's thin crust coming. They love the thin crust. I love they this. do like their chicken, too, now. They have this little makes me so happy. chicken nuggets there. Also, so th- absolute 100% shout out to Domino's for building their own delivery infrastructure. Yes. And their stock has gone 10x over the last 10 years. Listen, I mean, Domino's that's nice of you to make it a business I, story, but also it's delicious. <laughs> I have been telling, I have been telling uh, Uber publicly for a long time, buy Domino's. Yes. Buy Domino's. Isn't Domino's, I, there is, this is a real stock story. Like, I think Domino's is like the Pull stock the that's Domino's up the stock. most over the last decade. Like 10x over the last 10 years. It's unbelievable. But isn't it more than almost any other consumer stock, if not any? Like, there was something, there was some crazy stat that was like, if you look at the stock that's gained the most in the last 10 years, you'll never guess. You know, it was like one of those, like, you'll never guess which stock it is, and it's freaking Domino's. I mean, pull up the five-year chart for Domino's. It's I, listen, pretty I nice. am pretty nice. complete trash. It's only 13 billion. And Domino's is awesome. Although right. I have a question about Domino's. I recently had to okay. rank cheap pizza with my son, and I was like, you know, it's a tough one for me because Domino's is close to the bottom once you factor in like Mountain Mike's and Round Table. And you know what is actually weirdly the best cheap pizza in the world? Chuck E. Oh. Cheese. Oh, Chuck E. Cheese isn't bad. Yeah, that I've, pizza I've, is delicious. I've, I've, I've uh, I was like, this is going to be the worst pizza I've ever had, and I was like, ah, I could have a slice. I thought though, no, it's good. We've driven uh, there no, on no, purpose no, no, for it good. with I the cheese, no, the stuffed, no, che- no, the no. stuffed crust with the cheese in there. Oh, oh no, yeah, no, 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 good. I will. That's that that trash. Pizza. One quick Domino's take: their their regular uh, cheese pizza uh, is is repulsive. I think that's I'll, true. I'll Horrible. That that's down. accurate. That's accurate. Thin thin Horrible. crust is great. Thin crust is transcendent. Domino's cracker. It's a Domino's cracker. A Domino cracker pizza is great. It's a little appetizer. It's great as an appetizer. You've got three or four layers. Palate cleanser. I'm getting this tonight. Um, Well, here's the thing. But so very, we have two very important points here about Domino's. We do. Number one, thin crust pizza. Number Mm -hmm. two, they built their own app and their own delivery infrastructure. It is so freaking fast. Mm -hmm. It's disturbing. Uh, Like they get there fast. Um, now the app's not perfect, but it is a great user experience. And um, I want to know, Domino's are they I franchises? Each store, yeah, and independently operated, or is it a? Are you just an employee of that? Because it does feel like they have. I think the benefit of franchising, Molly, is and Nick, producer Nick's online, is that the franchisee 
has a higher motivation than just a GM, like if you had a general manager of the store. So they, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Domino's it prides itself in branding excellent around its team members and franchises. Much of Domino's has come from its franchise business model, which is an internally based franchise system. I don't know what an internally based franchise system is, but whatever it is, it works because God bless them. Like they care. They are racing to get you your pizza and they do it right. And you, you can't, I mean, at least the Domino's that I've driven by, I don't know, maybe like some of them in the Midwest or the South are different, but you in the Northeast, like you can't even go inside them. They're just delivering. Most are cloud kitchens. Yeah, they're just um, kitchens. And some of them now have pickup. So if you want to save, like they give you two bucks off if you pick up yourself. So they do it. All right, here we go. Nerd Wallet 2020, initial fr franchising fee. The Domino's initial franchise fee is 10000 for building a new store or franchise or franchising a closer. What? No. No way. I'm going to order 10 today. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've spent 10,000 a year on this stuff. Uh, you're going to you're going to order a store? Well, I mean, I think in, if you want to open one <laughs> of these, it's, it's going to become a Domino's colonizer. I would totally see, colonize Domino's. Domino's and Absolutely. I would, I would like to point out long overdue for to have like a feta cheese pizza. Uh, the Greeks are coming. And reasons why Greeks traditionally I love my life in Oakland. <laughs> we very much are <laughs> shout out yeah. wow, listen we should have a lamb talk about us just Apple, huh? lamb lovers oh, like, lamb lovers uh, pizza let's go get a pizza place in a wine shop and just reclaim the brand <laughs> on behalf of the greeks i went to right, the Oakland we greek Hold festival on. and i always try the greek wine and i'm always like yeah no 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 uh okay and i cannot get dominoes in my freaking house by the way for the, the second investment. house in a row in oakland get it together oakland um, okay. On the low side, you can expect to invest around 145 on the high end total can climb above 500,000 initial investment. Franchising free 10,000 for building a new store. Um, uh, net worth requirement is 250,000 check cash liquidity is requirement 75,000 check. I'm qualified. I could open up 10 of these tomorrow, but I think you <laughs> only get a certain area. So it's probably yeah. they've all been taken. You get a corner. Well, you could open one that delivers to my house because again right, i'll do it part of my language I'll, I'll, i'm on I'll, my second location in oakland where i cannot get dominoes this would be a funny thing to do so is for us on this weekend startups to open just to open like a personal one like you know what open it's just for me all right <laughs> so i'm gonna put poor pressure you're gonna welcome be like, the rest of my neighborhood you're welcome poor chief of we did this for you gonna be uh, looking this up <laughs> this afternoon you know crazy project oh it's I'm so in. great i'm in all right back to jason's dominoes.com is that domain exactly. taken or no? Uh, it is now that you mentioned yeah. it live on the air. Dip. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. Never go, mentioned go, go. domains on the air. <laughs> Fresh, if you're watching live, hurry up. Bro. Yeah, you better, you best be typing. You better, you better get those little fingers going. Did, 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 did. All right. Uh, also, they're adding a new chip uh, to yes. its Silicon family. Apple is adding, they're calling it M2. Wow. The M2. So recently, you know, <laughs> recently Creative. we kind of, recently when I said app, the iPhone is the sun and the whole company revolves around it, we were like, they haven't shipped that many products that aren't accessories. I should acknowledge yes. that the chips are a big deal. Like BFD. these are a phenomenal technological accomplishment. The vertical Bonkers. integration of making their own chips gives them an insane technology mode. And not to mention the machines are bananas. So like bananas. I would like to, you know, edit myself and give full credit to Apple building its own chips, which I did a story about years ago being like, this is going to be kind of a big deal. And it turns out it's a huge deal. And the chips just yeah. keep getting better. I mean, you 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 buy one of these. Um, it really does incentivize you to buy new machines. It was like the old day. It reminds me of the old days of the Pentiums. Remember when like a new Pentium chip would come out and you'd be like, oh, my God, and the Intel totally. inside, they play the tune and you're like, 
whoa, this computer is a lot faster than my last computer. And when your computer's a lot faster, that feels great. Yeah. I mean, it just hasn't felt that way in desktop computers or iPads for a long time. And then you get these M1s and they hit two notes. They're discernibly faster mm -hmm. and then have absurdly uh, more uh, battery life. So that combination is super compelling. Now, will they keep up the battery life march? I don't think so. But because it's kind of at the point of being unnecessary, when your laptop lasts the whole day, you're kind of like, okay, we're done here. Yeah. But having this incredible they'll, amount of power. They'll deprecate that battery though, we all know. They'll, you know, know, I mean, they deprecate performance the, because they start mm -hmm. to, they, remember they got sued for intentionally slowing down your iPhone to preserve battery life? I mean, for one thing, yeah. the actual just usage of batteries will over time deprecate the battery life and they probably will yeah, make that's it what they were going against, hard yeah. and expensive to replace. They You'll made still it hard have to buy a new laptop. This is where if Apple really wanted to make a ton of money, imagine the back of your iPhone could open up like the old Blackberries or Nokia's and you could swap your battery out again. Wait for Apple to launch that again. And they're like, and now the newest concept in smartphones, <laughs> a replaceable battery. And we're all like, oh my God, go! 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 They'll be like, they'll be like, you can insert an SD card to expand your own go! memory. And we're like, you can put an SD card in every, you can have two SIM cards. It's like, what? Do you and believe now, in miracles? Coming from Apple in 2025, <laughs> you've used wireless airpods <laughs> but wouldn't you like at some point to not have to worry about battery life for those of you who would like a crystal clear connection we present the 2.5 inch jack the crowd they goes did wild that. they did it with the last m1 yeah they were like and <laughs> by the way would. we've now added the hdmi and an sd card and we're like Wait they a did. second. And then Wait a second. they were like, it has ports. And now our latest feature, we've ports, removed ports, ports. the touchpad that nobody ever used or wanted. And like, go, go. Oh, you, you literally got rid of the, the touch bar that was annoying <laughs> that and nobody wanted. Literally no them, one used. And I'll then they bragged about. about it. They didn't just yes. quietly kill it. Oh, no. They were just like, now. We've Some made of it our so creatives clean. have told us. <laughs> you can put your fingers anywhere on the keyboard and it won't start doing things. Yes. And now <laughs> you don't have the constant distraction of a slider bar popping up that you don't know what it does. Contextual keys are now back to non-contextual. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. No, they were literally like some, some folks in our community have told us they prefer <laughs> the focus of and... They prefer mm -hmm. not carrying six dongles mm. in the bottom of their bag, forgetting them, and then wanting to kill themselves when they get to their destination and having to Amazon FedEx overnight and anchor dongle. Some of our people have told us. Some that. people have told us. Some that. people have They're told gonna us. They're going to reintroduce black Bluetooth. They're going to be yes. like, now you can and wirelessly now, connect your phone to your car. What? <laughs> Gold. <laughs> oh, God, Apple, we love you. This has been the same temperature, by the way, for months, for four months. I'm holding up my Ember mug for those of you who are not oh, watching wait, this. Amber, I can't. Ember mug figured out Bluetooth. Ember mug did, but then Apple broke it. So I can't mm. change the temperature on my Ember mug. I just hope it's not uh, going to cook the milk. I got to say, I probably have a pretty good MPS score right now uh, in terms of as an employer with the between the Ember mug and the second row courtside seats. Yeah. I think MPS score is pretty high right now. Would yeah. you recommend working with Jake to a friend? That's a 10 Nine or 10. That's a 10. I mean, oh, that's look, it. That's a 10. Look yeah. at all these presents. 
I got a red, red flag flags. right here. I got two red flags. <laughs> two red flags. Yeah, those cost about three dollars. <laughs> those you're really easy to please. To <laughs> yeah, I am so easy. I was just like, oh my god, this is so fun. I got you a kitchen magnet. It's got the Golden Gate Bridge on it. It worked. It worked. It worked. <laughs> Right. I'm in. Something that's not working or working too well, depending Ooh. on which side of the equation you're it on. It works. Yeah, it is, works. Uh, hackers uh, and investment frauds and drug dealers and finance. Turns out an investigation by Reuters has shown that at least 2.35 billion of illicit funds, again, hackers, investment frauds, drug dealers, you know, the, the dark economy, the black mm -hmm. market uh, mm -hmm. has been laundered through Binance between 2017 and 2022. Now, again, this is an investigation by Reuters. They found this. So, uh, this uh, I don't know if I have to say allegedly or allegedly. this is according to their reporting. Yeah. Allegedly, blah, blah, blah. I mean, but we're not blaming any specific person, so I think we can probably fairly say. I mean, it's the CEO's fault, ultimately, but I'm not blaming any specific person because, <laughs> but you are in charge and you're all the I one mean, who's going to I mean, you basically just went ahead and built Silk Road 2 thinking there's a market need here, but you know, I'm not accusing you anyway, of anything. We're not accusing anybody of anything, but you're going to jail. Um, <laughs> you may want to be, you may want to find a friendly jurisdiction, perhaps query the Tether guys oh, and where they're hanging out. The, where's the CEO of Tether? You, you might, might want to buy the house next to him. I want to use DuckDuckGo for that too, by the way. All right, way. set the oh, table, okay. Molly. Set the table here. What's going on? Binance. As only you can, Molly. As uh, only Binance, you of course, is a crypto exchange that has about 120 million users globally. They process hundreds of billions of crypto transactions per month. They were actually banned in the United States in 2019. Got and it. then opened an entirely separate exchange in uh, called Binance.us that Got reportedly it. did comply with okay. U.S. crypto exchange laws. Because Clever. ironically, even though it sometimes feels like we have none... We do have a few. Mm -hmm. The there, yeah, keep going. Yeah. So between 2017 and 2021, um, that's when I think they started, right? And that's when the laundering started in May of 2021. So about a year ago, the U.S. Department of Justice and the IRS launched this investigation into okay. Binance on allegations of these money laundering and tax fraud uh, issues. Mm -hmm. Then. In August 2021, Binance enacted Know Your Customer, KYC, and Anti-Money Laundering, AML, requirements for all users. Prior to that, they had what Reuters referred to as, quote, weak AML and KYC checks ah. that made it super easy to hide transactions. Evidently, current and former Binance execs had raised concerns mm. about the lack of these protections back in January, according to Reuters, uh, to the CEO and founder, but uh, that person, He's CZ. He's the guy, CZ. CZ, and that's like his only yeah. name, right? Yeah, I guess. He's like Madonna in that way. He's like Beyonce. Uh, CZ did so not listen. So basically, three months after the DOJ and IRS come knocking, they put in KYC and AML. So they ran this up. They got the market share. They did it illegally, allegedly. Uh, they get investigated, and then they tighten the things up. So this seems like a, a trend. I, I Dare I say, this is like a playbook now. Um you know, we, we say in Silicon Valley, like, move fast, break things, or never ask for permission, you know, never beg for forgiveness, don't ask for permission kind of thing. The problem with CZ, his nickname uh, for Chang Peng Zhao, is uh, the problem with this process is, as we've seen, if you're in healthcare, uh, mm -hmm. or say in insurance, or finance, um, you don't get to move fast and break things. If you're making a video game or a social network or something that doesn't impact people acutely in a highly regulated industry mm -hmm. uh you know you might want to pursue this molly like sure move fast and break things but as we saw with theranos uh as we're seeing here um 
And as we saw with Zenefits uh, and, um, you know, insurance fraud over there, uh, where they were, I guess, faking people's insurance certifications, like there are some highly regulated places where you could, you know, if you move too fast, get in trouble. Uh, and if you do want to reinterpret the laws, uh, which Airbnb, Lyft, Uber said, hey, we think that these laws it, from our interpretation were okay, mm -hmm. you will then spend a decade with each jurisdiction you know and and you may win some you may lose others and, yep. and in the case of ride sharing it won in you know 98 out of 100 jurisdictions in the case of airbnb they won in probably 95 out of 100 places allow airbnb so you just got to be careful you know getting somebody a cheap taxi ride or a cheap hotel again slightly different and you have to look at the impact each of these has on society um, an Instagram, you know, app or whatever, social network or video game, very low impact, transportation, housing, medium impact, health, finance, mm -hmm. insurance, massive. Yep. And you will have the hammer dropped on you. This is a lesson from this week in startup for founders. The end. Clip here. Here ends the lesson. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you build a tool that just allows for the illicit movement of money yeah. without oversight eversightly mm -hmm. one people are going to find that tool and use it for that i mean people are trying you know people are out here trying to use like zelle and venmo to just avoid paying taxes and they've had to yeah. crack down on that like let alone creating yep. sort of a new silk road style funnel for just hiding transactions at a massive scale two point some billion dollars also there's this kind of bonkers situation where binance invested 200 million dollars in forbes after forbes itself released a leaked document called the tai chi entity which alleged that cz and binance had created a corporate structure designed to intentionally deceive united states regulators and secretly profit from u.s crypto traders so forbes reports on this leaked document uh explains this this structure as quote a strategic plan to execute a bait and switch setting up mm -hmm. the uh, an entity in the United States effectively and sort of like pretending that it was following the rules but wasn't is probably the TLDR DR mm -hmm. on that. And then two years later, in 2022, Binance announces a $200 million investment in Forbes, like to buy them and shut them down for leaking this thing? Um, it must be a coincidence. I mean, don't all crypto companies buy decrepit old media brands? Isn't that like so? part of the playbook? Yeah, sure. I Salesforce, more time... Uh, but had time blowed the lid off of Salesforce's no, of like not, schedule? Right, yeah, no, totally. The I'm only like, wait, analogy what? I could think of. It. No, <laughs> of course they didn't. What? I mean, I think Mark Benioff just wanted to have the Time 100 and pick the Time yeah, of Man course. of the Year, or I should say, Person of the Year. It's like the it's like at this point a sports team or a jet, but you just have so much money that a sports team or a jet doesn't even thrill you anymore. No, no, so the you timing just wanna, here is bizarre. The, the timing mean, is absolutely bizarre. But does Forbes, are they the ones, who, is it Fortune or Forbes that has the contributor network where like, Forbes. P, is Forbes. that Forbes? Oh my God, mm -hmm. so gross. It's like, I get all these people asking me to do interviews or like I get mentioned in this and I'm like, why am I being mentioned in Forbes? I didn't get called by a journalist. And it's like, oh no, that's the contributor network. I'm like, how do I know that? They're like, oh, do you see this little icon yeah. over here? That means it's a random person who we allow to write about insurance on the site. Who's an insurance broker? And they write about themselves. And I'm like, do you need page views that much that you created this thing? And I guess it, it's a, I think it's a talk about bait and switch. 
I think the Forbes bait and switch is like 90% of the traffic comes from these, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, self-promotional articles and yeah, the contributors, contributors, whatever that means, free content. But then they have this facade of like, oh, these elite journalists, theoretically, not elite, but you know, they, there's some real journalists somewhere in the building and then they sell advertising and the advertisers are getting 90% garbage and 10%, you know, theoretically elite great journalism, content. Yeah. yeah, great journalism. Um, anyway. Interestingly, and I had forgotten this, we did report or I did see that what they were going to do with Forbes was take it public via SPAC. <laughs> and that plan was called off six days ago. Um, this story has everything. <laughs> this, this, story is like, has this is like Stefan on everything. SNL. <laughs> this story has everything. <laughs> the, hottest club to go to. <laughs> the hottest club to go to is CZ in Hong Kong. It's right below Tether, the hottest oh spot in the world. You can money launder drug deal and, oh and my God, a Stephane. media spack. <gasps> and a oh my media God, spack. we get all the same. We are literally, we, we need to shake up the age range on this show because we are literally telling all the same jokes. <laughs> no, we never had a Stefan <laughs> joke on here. That's incredible. my favorite character for a that long time. So, I know I love that one so much. He and that is the perfect example, the perfect analogy for what's happening here. Like, <laughs> what they what he said was i think john mulaney is that mm -hmm. the guy's name was right they said john mulaney would write that for whatever a hater bill hater yeah. and he wouldn't and get that, to see it well they would write one script and then he would change things that were so outrageous that you know he was always cracking up yeah and, and he <laughs> and he came up with this <laughs> which he said was a combination of just trying to keep it together and the feeling of being in a club as a club kid taking ecstasy and like rolling too hard and be like and it's oh just, my god that was the i mean stefan as a character was literally the greatest so genius we just watched like stefan snl best of it's it's, it's the greatest time. we must have watched like 30 of those a few weeks back for that exact same reason because it's brilliant um, super next level okay wow. we gotta wrap up but we, we gotta we have go. to talk about the Elon, uh, uh, what's the guy's name Elon 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 Musk believes Twitter I was I just withholding. had a conversation with somebody who referred to him almost like Ellen, Ellen. like I was like where yeah. do you it's kind of nice to know that the permeation is not complete yeah anyway. well here's the thing the, the, something something Twitter yes <laughs> and uh, obviously there's a bot problem and uh this price is either, as he said in the uh, all-in interview we did, like maybe the price gets negotiated, the deal gets canceled. Um, but headline today, headline today, tee it up if you will. Um, headline today is that according to a letter from Elon Musk's lawyers uh, in a SEC filing, quote, Mr. Musk believes the company is actively resisting and thwarting his information rights and the company's corresponding obligations under the merger agreement. And the letter goes on to say, and this is kind of the key legal language should must mm. be trying to get out of this deal. This is a clear material breach of Twitter's obligations under the merger agreement. Yep. And Mr. Musk reserves all rights resulting therefrom, including his right not to consummate the transaction and his right to terminate the merger agreement. Yeah. Now, Matt Levine from Bloomberg has written several times that this is like <laughs> that there is no such right. Um, and that material impact is a very, very, very high bar to prove. Mm. But he has also gone on to say, you know, effectively, like Musk is going to do whatever he wants and nobody's going to enforce the rules here. So, well, and if seems you likely. look at it, um, this is something that Twitter has been opaque about, you know, the bot problem. And so 
if they, I don't think any of us believe it's less than 5%, right? So if it is in fact more, or you get a bunch of data and it looks really bad, now that puts Twitter's board in a really precarious position, I think, which is, yeah. do you want to go into discovery and have every conversation from engineers to the CEO, from the CEO to the board, and then 50 other right. conversations exactly. in between where you talk about how you're going to explain the bot problem to the public shareholders. And that yeah. is chaos. And, and so, we don't like what Twitter has said is, you know, it's really hard to measure this. Musk does not believe that he has made it very clear. I keep calling him Musk, like I'm trying to like distance myself from this story here. Um, <laughs> Mr. Musk. <laughs> Ellen has said, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Elon has said over and over, he does not believe that it's that hard to measure it. Twitter keeps saying it is hard to measure it. No, but it's absolutely. Not I mean, I think you're 100% right. They probably don't want to go into discovery. Nobody no, wants to deal no, no, with no, the, no. the toxicity of an, a long, long lawsuit. It yeah. seems to me not possible to go having to zero knowledge whatsoever that what's happening here is he's going to like it's exactly what Matt Levine says as usual. He's going to walk away from the deal. Twitter could probably sue him, but they're not going to. Yeah, he I does mean, what he I, wants. There's I no rules. No I literally have no information on this. Um, I haven't talked to Elon about it or anybody, but my 95% chance here would be a lower price or it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's it, and also the price is overpriced now. So I, I would just if I was. Yeah. Twitter, I mean, I shouldn't say, buy it. That how do you be... feel about thirty-four dollars and twenty cents? Yeah, like, and maybe at thirty-four twenty, maybe it's. But worth that's it. not a very fun name, so he's or fun number, so he's probably not going to do no, it. No, it's still got four twenty in it. Thirty-four twenty sixty-nine. Oh, thirty-four twenty. Thirty-four twenty three four twenty. Uh, uh -huh. but uh -huh. it is what it is. Um, yeah, forty-two zero six nine. Uh, round up the penny. So it, we'll keep watching this, but I think it's going to be a summer of debate. And, you know, Scatton Arps is the largest, I believe, still the largest law firm in the world. Like, they know what they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. Finally, as we wrap, Beijing is wrapping up its DD investigation. According to the Wall Street Journal, CCP investigators will complete, I'm sorry, their investigation of Chinese ride-sharing company DD. Uh, the company's app will be restored to the Chinese app store as soon as this week after being removed almost a year ago. Stock was up 30% on the news. Um, I have a horse in this race. Theoretically, Uber still owns a large position, so full disclosure there. Mm -hmm. um, but you remember this has more to do with Chinese and American relations because they went public already and um, we're doing well, great. And then China said no more companies from china on american exchange exactly that's what it was about yeah. it was that dd went public on a u.s exchange yeah um and the, I, I mean you know you can only interpret it as sort of a re revenge tour and a warning to yeah other companies not to do that it's that it's right. the protectionism campaign in full force but at least looks like dd at least is going to recover from it although during that time the time mm. of this investigation mm. yeah stock is down 84% down to a market cap of $12 billion. Is this the low right here? $2.53? Oh, no, that's you, right now. That's today, June 6th. Yeah, wow. it's up a little bit. But I mean, I, it, you know, so basically, yeah, they were worth six times more or something like that. So, <laughs> oh, and relatedly, there's this nice note. Relatedly, Didi will be delisting from the New York Stock Exchange yeah. and listing in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Kel Surprise. Yeah, Kel Surprise. Yeah, I mean, it's all going to be. I mean, basically, all of these companies will just trade in Hong Kong and like the decoupling. We'll see how far the decoupling goes. It seems mm -hmm. like right now, uh, media, finance, these things will be decoupled. And then, you know, manufacturing, probably not. So, you know, maybe it was a bridge too far having 
you know, our apps in China, we never got our apps in China, having their companies listed here and them having less control over those companies and those companies having more Western influence in them, i.e. the boards of the companies, etc. So it and is more, what it is. And more yeah. visibility, right? I'm sure that that sure. would lead to, I mean, investors would probably get some visibility, but I could imagine China. I'd be curious to know what visibility US investors might have into the business as a result of DD listing on and on New York Stock Exchange as opposed to Hong Kong. Maybe there's no difference. But basically, no, I think you're going to have to start obeying the, the securities laws of the West. And so, right. you know, that means, you know, information rights and, you know, w where do you legally um, mm -hmm. reside in terms of shareholder complaints right um and then what influence does the chinese government has can the chinese government take a company trading in the u.s and then tell them they have to hand over their data or not well if it's in hong kong problem solved there's super clarity here hong kong is china china is hong kong you know they're in charge yep. at the end so i guess yep. they just wanted to have complete control uh, as opposed to questionable or partial control over these companies and now they have complete control over them they're Anybody buying Chinese stocks that are listed in Hong Kong, like, good luck to you, but I would never do it because it's a black box over there. They can do whatever they want. They do do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They could tell kids they can play 10 hours of video games or no hours of video games a week. They can tell you you can have an education startup, startup or not. Um, they can tell you shared prosperity is the goal or maximizing shareholder revenue is the goal. They told everybody shared prosperity is the goal. It's a, it's a distinctly different benchmark than the west in the west mm -hmm. we say you know shareholder value is what you're going for and you know on the margins esg stakeholder this and that but still you're responsible for your shareholders first and foremost and in china shared prosperity is mm -hmm. the goal so yeah if you want to live in a communist country you can move to china and have the stock market be run on shared prosperity whatever that means i encourage everyone uh should you want to know what that's been like lately my former marketplace colleague jennifer pack is in shanghai and she's a big foodie and her Instagram, JPAC Radio, P-A-K, mm -hmm. J-P-A-K Radio, has been the most fascinating dystopian look inside what that lockdown has looked like for two Ooh. months. Mm. And it's basically just been her journey to like try to get food. And it's all these pictures of the like the government handouts when they come and like they have rotten vegetables or they have this and then she, they're trying to do this like barter thing. And I, I just am finding it like just as a look behind a curtain that you don't usually get to see. Mm -hmm. Go follow Jennifer Pack because it is it's absolutely been mesmerizing. Like for people who complained about the effectively non-existent actual quote unquote lockdowns in the United States, like kids, you have no idea. I mean, her feed no is making idea. me really um, hungry, but uh, I'm also looking at, you know, like day 58. Day 58. <laughs> looks pretty, pretty slim pickings and, and day she's 57, in, pretty rough. Like, you know, and she's a foreign journalist, effectively, like she's Chinese, but yeah, a journalist, you know, from the United States. And like, so she's in a pretty good neighborhood. They have like pretty decent access, relatively speaking. I don't think that anybody in her neighborhood had to kill their pets. But mm -hmm. like, it's just bananas to see the and to read her captions and see the scramble that they had to go through to get to any one of these. And like, yeah. she had to make like, all these spring rolls because they got pork handed out from the government that was a, about to go bad. So they had to make like 150 spring rolls to just be yeah. like, I don't know, we got to use up the government pork. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy times. It's uh, just so interesting. Well, you know, it's, um, if you want to see you, Jennifer, 
It's a different Shout world. Shout out Jennifer. And yeah, I'm glad the lock- lockdown's over. I saw, you know, people running into the streets, getting to go out and, and eat food. So yeah, um, I, I hope they, uh, and you know, and Sweden ended their lockdown a year early and the United States, it's basically everybody decided we're just going to go through the storm. You know, if, or people will have the choice to go through the storm or stay. We home. have a we have a mask mandate back in our county. I heard that. Uh, yeah, Dan Danbury and a couple of other places out there now have a mask mandate, but people are not doing it. So it's like Alameda County. Yeah, it's uh, there was a really interesting, interesting David Leonard piece. Now we've got plenty of show, and I should stop talking. But interesting piece in the Upshot what in the New York Times, so where according to the data, mm-hmm. masks work, mandates don't. Like counties that had mandates had almost the same exact rates, even though a well-fitting N95 actually does work yeah, to prevent, sense. right, transmitting and receiving COVID. Yeah. Mandates make no difference because people are wearing cloth masks that are here. Or they have their yes. dicks hanging out because they're below their noses or they take them off to eat or whatever. Yes. And Alameda County, Compliance of course, matters. two months later, I two mean, months that, after the surge. <laughs> began. If you lock everybody in their home. Or if you were to like, say you have to wear an N95 and you inspected it and you walked up and down the plane and you had like police officers inside tackling people who took their masks off to take a sip of coffee. Like, yes, it could theoretically work. work, But in practice, people are wearing bandanas. Right. Which, you know. Just and then Omicron is so contagious that the second you pull your mask down to like take some eat some food on a plane, boop boop, you got it. Yeah, you're done. And we're done. All right, listen, it's been a lot of show. Yeah, anyway, we got it. We'll see you all tomorrow. It's gonna be a big week. Stick with us. If you are a founder of a pre-series A company, you haven't raised that series A yet, which is really hard. Well, we wanted to invite you to Founder University. This is a two-day intensive course. It takes place on June 13th and 14th. It's remote. It's free. We limit the number of people who can come. We ask you to apply. And this virtual workshop is free for founders and helps you understand how to fundraise and pitch, how to hire great people, how to build a world-class product, how to execute on your sales and marketing, and some growth techniques as well. The launch team and I have been doing this for a long time. It has been amazing for us to get to know founders, and that's why we do it. Of course, we want to help folks as many as possible. That's part of our mandate. But really, our mandate at launch here at This Week in Startups and, you know, the syndicate, which is where we invest, we meet and invest in companies, is we want to back builders. And so we use these events as a way to get to know you. And if you're building something and we see you're credibly building something interesting in the world, well, then we want to invest in you. So truth be told, every time we do Founder University, a half dozen of those people, we wind up funding in the next year or so. So it's a great way for us to spend time with entrepreneurs. Um, We're going to be joined by a lot of experts. Uh, My friend Becky DeGraw, uh, who's my attorney uh, from Wilson Sonsini, will be speaking at the event. Fitbot's co-founder, Jesse, uh, will be speaking. Marlowe's CEO, Mary Fox, will be speaking. So we get a bunch of our portfolio companies who have been crushing it and who have learned a lot. And we've seen that they are qualified builders. We have them uh, come speak at the event. So you see how we do things here at uh, This Week in Startups and Launch and the Syndicate. We like to uh, create a flywheel. We invest in people who come out of Founder University. Some number of them really crush it and become world-class companies. And it's not guaranteed. You have to do the work, folks. The ones who do, then we have them speak at a later Founder University. So a lot of the great companies we've met came to a Founder University. They got to know us. They learned something. It was worth their time. And that's really what we do with the agenda. We try to make it worth your time to take two days off work, uh, essentially. Now, it's, it's remote, so you know you can consider it your weekend, even though it's taking place around the week. Um, you consider it professional development. And if you learn one or two important things about running a company, fundraising, growth, hiring, 
Well, those one or two things will pay for those two days. I am absolutely certain of it. Now you have to apply again, so you can register at founder.university. Yes, it's a great domain name. So go to founder.university and sign up. We also have a course called angel.university. If you want to invest in the companies and you think the philosophy I've explained here about how I invest in companies, and I've invested in over 300 of them. Um, if you think this is an interesting um, way to meet startups early, help them and invest in them, well, you can read my deal memos as we invest in new companies and you can join us on that adventure. And I do this through a course called Angel University that has raised close to $200,000 for charity. And you can sign up for Angel University at angel.university. We do it four times a year. Great program. Uh, and it's just me and my partner, Mike Savino, talking about uh, how we pick companies, how we evaluate them, how we diligence them, how we source them, like Founder University is a source of investment and deal flow for us. And uh, that three or four hour course, actually, I think it's more like four or five hours is well worth your time. All the proceeds from Angel University go to charity. And again, over 175,000, I think at this point, it's gone to charity. So I'm very proud of that work. And Founder University is free. But you do have to apply and we do pick people who have built a little bit of something. So we're looking for you to have some skin in the game. We have a Founder University 12 week program, which you can also see at founder.university. We'll be starting our third cohort shortly. And you can apply for that program if you have not started building or your very early stages haven't incorporated yet you're nowhere near the series a you're kind of in the solo or co-founder situation and you're just starting to build maybe maybe you've incorporated maybe you have it and that's a 12-week course and that's another great one that we do so please join us founder.university and if you want to invest in these great companies angel.university